back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast with Podcast Guy. Wow, thanks for having me, man. Be talking to some of the fans up in the, the Pacific Northwest. Your Demi got him death. Pretty good, darling. Pretty good. Yo! We're the Boros twins. They know me by PCO to the horror show. Freaking me out, man. <laughs> Freaking me out, yo! We are leaving the station! L Train, take us out! Yo, 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 this is the L Train. We're back for uh, Bigfoot Pro Wrestling episode 179. And uh, this week, I got a great one for you. Waiting in the wings is the uh, one and only great Bambina, but I brought in a special guest to do the opening with me today. Uh, you might know him from Without a Cause and some other things. His name is the one and only Max, man. How you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Lyle, for having me back on the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, doing well and uh, all that good stuff. Dude, uh, Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Uh, how was your uh, holiday? I think I saw a picture your mom may have posted you guys uh, chowing down. Yeah, so we uh, we ended up ordering in from Sean O'Donnell's. Sean O'Donnell's is a local restaurant that has three uh three restaurants open in washington there's one in fremont one in everett and then also one in downtown seattle um so we ordered from them and uh not gonna lie i was very very surprised their turkey was delicious (laughs) um their mashed potatoes were uh, amazing and their soda bread was crisp and crumbly Nice, nice, nice. Sounds really good, man. Yeah, I saw the pictures there. You guys had a bunch of different containers and stuff. So uh, you give it the uh, double thumbs, uh, Max, the thumbs up? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I think especially during, you know, this time, and I know that everybody's kind of sick and tired of hearing it, but, like, making sure that you're supporting your local, you know, your favorite local spots, whether it be through ordering in or, you know, if they have cocktails to go, especially bars, you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta support local. And that's something that we've been trying to do all through the pandemic. Excellent. Excellent. And do you and uh, your family have any, like, you know, like I said, this year might've been different. I don't know because of the pandemic and all that's going on, but, uh, do you guys have any traditions that you do every Thanksgiving? You know, we're kind of traditionalists outside of uh, we don't really do much for Thanksgiving. However, my wife, Avalon, uh, she likes to put up the Christmas tree on either Thanksgiving or the day after. So we went ahead and did that. Um, and then, like, the only other thing that we do is uh, Christmas Eve. I watch, you know, I, I basically have TBS on all day because <laughs> Christmas Story is on. Yep. And I've been doing that since I was, like, seven. So <laughs> I've got a, a little shot glass of the, uh, the lamp. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's like, I can pretty much like within 30 or 40 minutes of watching it back. I can then like reach back into my memory and start quoting verbatim every single word. Cause I've seen it. I've probably seen a Christmas story like 150, 200 times. So <laughs> At least periphery. So, so do the uh, the family members there start telling you they shut the hell up because you're like ruining the movie? Uh, no. <laughs> I think thankfully, like both my mom and and Avalon, like they 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 both know that that's kind of like my thing that I do. It's my like one tradition. So, and then typically, like I only watch it. Like I'll only watch it, watch it like once, where I'm actually like paying attention. And then if it's in the background, then I'll just like hang out and do you know dick around on my phone or whatever so <laughs> are you uh you seem like the kind of guy that turns into a big kid at christmas you know i 
used to be like kind of reserved about Christmas. Like I, I love Christmas being German. Christmas is like a big thing. Um, but, uh, now like I'm a pretty loud and, and kind of like wacky guy, no pun intended. Um, and I like recently it, it's been like last four or five years. I I've been more, more crazy and over the top. Whoa. Hey. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I I like Christmas, uh, but I like Halloween a little bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, Halloween's are uh, are. I mean, we love Christmas too, but you know that's Halloween's when uh, the missus and I got married. So that's uh, oh, yeah, yeah, huge yeah. huge in our house here. So <laughs> yeah, we don't got a lot of uh, things we do other than like this year. We you know we usually get together the nine of us for uh, Thanksgiving and and um and Christmas. But uh, this year I kind of stepped out on the Thanksgiving just because I work in healthcare and I see you know mm-hmm. hundred. 150 200 people a day walking through my door so i took the night off but they sent me a nice uh plate home and another uh, basket full of uh more turkey and stuff i had a major turkey sandwich yesterday oh man uh that's like the one negative thing about not cooking at home is that uh i didn't have all of the leftovers that we typically have and i could eat leftover turkey sandwiches for like a week straight and not be and not, not be sick and tired of it so oh, man. no i'm the same way i went to the store and i got some special buns at trader joe's and i made sure i, had, cause oh. I always have to have some cheddar cheese with it mayo a little mustard and you know maybe some other you know whatever but i'm pretty Stop it. pretty basic kind of guy like that i don't you know have the the cranberries and the and the stuffing on it like some people like ross from friends if you ever watch that episode but um <laughs> oh god now i'm hungry and i haven't eaten today That's i think right. that'll be what i'm doing right after right after this i'll go eat something there you go there you go dude uh little wrestling things wise man i saw here it's that time of year to vote uh over at uh, iwtv is it not it is the uh, the Independent Wrestling TV Awards. The IWTV Awards are now live and accepting uh, accepting nominations. I think it's all the way through December third, so you've got about another four or five days. Um, basically, if you are a member of IWTV, and if you're not, you can use WAC 2019 on sign up and help us and help them. And then also, you can nominate. Uh, for different categories, such as Wrestler of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, Match of the Year, Moment of the Year, and then Promo or Vignette of the Year. Um, and obviously, uh, I can I can I can mention a few of them <laughs> that I, uh, I I voted for, such as Match of the Year. Obviously, I'm going to go with Chris Bay versus Jeff Cobb from our uh, Without a Co- uh, sorry our 2020 event back on January 19th. Um, and it was, uh, an incredible show. Uh, but that match was definitely the, the highlight of the year. Uh, not many of us knew what was uh, waiting in the wings for, for 2020, obviously. Um, but, uh, then moment of the year, I think is that, uh, you know, once, once Jeff Cobb, you know, beat Chris Bay, but then Chris Bay took back the title and, and mentioned <laughs> that he never mentioned that it was for the title, that little dusty finish. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of shit for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, I'm happy that people had such visceral reaction to it. <laughs> uh, Daniel Maccabi comes up and he's like, I hate dusty finishes. I'm like, oops. <laughs> and then we had another one the next show. So <laughs> no, man, I was there. I was wondering who was going to be the, uh, the special person or whatever good, you know, that was going to take him on. And then of course we thought it was Migs. Migs. <laughs> like, Oh God, you know, and he killed him in you know, eight seconds or whatever it was, you know? And then, uh, all of a sudden, man, music and, and Cobb came through that thing, that place. 
erupted, erupted in there, man. I was jumping up and down. I couldn't even stay in my seat. Goosebumps. Almost tears, man. It was so much just amazement for a wrestling fan that night. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's uh, it's something that I, 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 I truly miss because uh, putting on shows and having the crowd there, obviously that's something that's uh, very important to, to us at Without a, uh, without a, uh, without a Cause. Um, and uh, not being able to do it now for, you know, it looks like it's probably not going to be until like March or April. Mm. Uh, you know, that'll be a full year, uh, a year or more. So I'm, you know, we're we're chomping at the bit, wanting to do it safely, obviously, uh, when, when we can and when we get the go ahead from the state. Because uh, uh, for Washington, if you didn't know, um, if you see all these other shows happening and as as safe and as positive and as as socially distanced and everything that other states are doing for their wrestling shows um most other states don't have a uh like a department a department of licensing that they have to go through for their shows and that is the big hold like the big hold up for us uh, here in washington is that they have to approve of the show and because we're in the middle of a pandemic they're like no 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 that's not happening <laughs> so well it's probably safest i mean you know they had you know that uh Oh, it's the weekend just a few weeks ago. IWTV. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, yep. it, that was a lot of fun watching and stuff, but, you know, we heard a lot after that that, you know, there was quite a few wrestlers that came down with the COVID and stuff, and so that wasn't probably, you know, the best thing because then they're out too, you know, and sick and possibly could give it to someone else. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, such, a, it, it's such a hotly debated, you know, kind of thing, whether or not, you know, these, you know, these wrestlers – they should have the right to work or they should have the right to gain unemployment or hazard pay or, you know, uninsured, you know, because they're technically independent contractors, et cetera. Like that's kind of where that, like that slippery slope comes in. And, uh, we, we figured it would just be best to make sure that, you know, everything is, you know, obviously we're not, we're not running actual shows, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, e- e- even if we were, I don't think that, uh, e- even if we could, I don't think that we would. I, I think that we would wait until uh, there's a little bit more uh, information on the best, the best practices. Right, right, right. Well, at least you got this other thing that you're doing. We'll talk about in just a minute, man. But man, that Chris Bay open challenge, once again, man, that was freaking outstanding, my brother. But, uh, I'm going to lead it in. You know what else is outstanding, my brother? My what is that? good friends over at Nacho Mama's Food Truck. Chris and Sandra serving it up hot, fresh, gourmet each and every week. And, man, why don't you tell us what they're serving up hot and fresh this week, my brother? Oh, my God. So first first things first, Nacho Mama's, best nachos on the planet for, for sure. Uh, and if you've seen me, I've got quite the rotund belly. I know nachos. So... This week, they are doing some tequila sunrise nachos. They have cheddar cheese sauce, chorizo, tequila lime slaw, cotija, sorry, cotija cheese, pickled red onions, and poblano ranch. Mm. You're not going to want to miss that. They also have roasted cauliflower soup with tequila lime slaw and chorizo. And then if you have a little bit of hankering for a sweet tooth, you can eat their peanut butter and jelly brownies. They're always so good to us when we show up and... Uh, they, you know, they they sneak a brownie in for us. Um, uh, we love them so much, and go and go and eat all of those things. Lyle, where can they? Where can where can people find Nacho Mamas this week? Well, oh, sorry, I'm still thinking about peanut butter and jelly brownies over here, man. Peanut butter jelly time. 
but they will be this Thursday, December 3rd. December? It can't be December already. December oh 3rd, Stoop Brewing in Ballard from 5 to 8 p.m. Friday, my, one of my favorite places, No Boat Brewing in Snoqualmie, 4 to 8 p.m. Saturday, December 5th, Urban Family Brewing in Ballard, 1 to 7 p.m. And then Chuck's Hop Shop in Greenwood, 5 to 9 on Sunday, the 6th of December. Dude, Nacho Mamas, the best nachos on the planet. You got to take them. You got to shove them in your mouth, man. They got sauces, everything over there. Find it over at NachoMamasSeattle.com, at NachoMamasSCA on Twitter, at NachoMamasSeattle on Facebook and Instagram. What's that hashtag, man? I don't know what the hashtag is. Hashtag nachos and beer. Don't ever forget that, man. Nachos and beer. Hashtag nachos and beer. <laughs> I remember now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, buddy. But anyway, man, we were speaking about some wrestling there. So tell us about Without a Crowd. Over, uh, We've been watching it on Twitch. Yeah, so Without a Crowd, um, we've been lucky enough to be able to have our ring down uh, uh, hosted somewhere. So we were able to um, bring in a few people and also host uh, a couple of tapings um, in the last indeterminate amount of time. Um, And we have about, I think we have three shows left. uh, three, three, uh, Three shows left in the can so over the next six weeks that will be depleted um and not knowing when when we can do another like another taping or like how safe that's going to be that that's kind of the next roadblock um we're hoping january but we we're not we're not 100 uh, we're not 100 sure um this has just been something that uh you know chris and dave over at dragon xplex uh dojo that's something that they're really putting a lot of effort in uh they've been doing um a lot of zoom classes and a lot of like tape uh tape uh sorry tape review and everything with the students uh over at dragon xplex and uh without a cause is just super uh happy with having a working relationship with uh with dragon xplex dojo very nice man and uh, you said we got one uh well as this podcast released it's tuesday so there's a new show dropping this uh sunday is there not there is a new show jump uh, dropping on Sunday, next Sunday, uh, at 3 p.m. PST on twitch.tv backslash Max Wrestling WA. Um, you will see folks like Rebel Kell, Jacob Oso, Drake Kwan, and then also we're going to have the debut of the Jim Nasty Boys, Timmy Luretton <laughs> and White Mike. Uh, they are facing the perennial t-shirt uh, tag team known as the Bash Bros. Oh, yes. I've seen them uh, twice now on these uh, Twitch feeds. The next big team on the circuit, I think, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if, uh, if we can get back to quote-unquote whatever uh, normal independent wrestling is, I guarantee that they will go far and wide. <laughs> but uh, having having the, the, the Gymnasty Boys on, on the show is super exciting because... Early or late in 2019 or early 2020, I, I had written out like a list of people that I wanted to bring in, and G and B were on the top of that list. So I'm I'm glad that we were able to finally do it. Um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it's it's under these circumstances. But uh, I think this wrestling is better than no wrestling, and uh, we'll see what the future holds in terms of like more shows or who's going to come in. 
Um, but we're we're chugging right along and doing it safe and and trying to trying to do the best we can with what we're given. Well, dude, as a fan, I'm just uh, really appreciating it, you know, because appreciating it because we're always looking for uh, you know some content, some wrestling, you know, other than just you know AEW and stuff every week, which I do love, by the way, man. So uh, good luck to you, and uh, I hope you know some stuff starts clearing up. You can maybe do some more of these tapings, and like you said, maybe springish next year get back into some uh some live events hopefully yeah that's that's the hope i think that we've talked like i've talked with dave and chris about like what what is the threshold on what we want to do like if places start opening up in 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 you know march or april and we can run with like 50 percent well we're gonna have to be really careful with like budget mm-hmm. obviously because 50 percent that's that's cutting our you know because we we're pretty close to uh pr- pretty close to selling out anyway so 50 percent cuts our budget in half mm. um and our you know any profits basically go out the window but i'm fine running the show at cost um if it means that we can have some some real life wrestling back in you know april or may so we'll see um i'm 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 hopeful but i'm also not rushing back uh, I think that it's 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 definitely one of those things where we've got to take in all sides uh, and make sure that uh, you know legally we can run, and then obviously the secondary thing is make sure that everybody is safe and sound doing so. Well, man, thanks so much, and uh, man, I probably should let you get going there, starting to enjoying your day. Or do you even leave your little man cave anymore? Do you just like do they bring you food and stuff in there, and you got like a little toilet? Uh, well, so thankfully <laughs> this side of the house has a lot of, uh, you know, this room is so cold. Uh, I, I keep it at a balmy, like 35 degrees. So, uh, and then the, uh, you know, everything on this side of the house is, is pretty much open to me. Um, and I don't have too much competition here during the day cause I'm the only one here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, nice buddy. Hey, before we go, uh, where do we get that, uh, merchandise for uh, without a cause? Yo, you could go check out Brainbuster Tees and then search without a cause. We have so many things up and so many, uh, so many like you can get the 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 shows that never happened, such as uh, without a cause, Housen and the No Handshakes, which is aptly named. Um, I keep on bringing it up that that we had that name figured out well before the pandemic uh, even was a thing, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, uh, it became a little bit true. Uh, what what did they say? Life life imitates art. Uh-huh. So, uh, brainbustertees.com and, uh, go, go search without a cause. You could follow me at max wrestling WA on everything like, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, uh, which is also where we're doing all our wrestling things. And also I'm doing a lot of video game things. So do that. And then also follow without a cause everywhere on with, uh, without a cause WA WA stands for Washington <laughs> and not for Wisconsin as somebody else, uh, was trying to tell me. So <laughs> we, we's not in Wisconsin, huh? I didn't I'm know that. I'm not in Wisconsin. Not <laughs> not a big, not a big cheese uh, cheese country up here. If 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 you know what I mean. All right, so. buddy. Well, <laughs> g- give us your final thoughts, and we'll head off. Final thoughts: Go eat some Nacho Mamas. They're delicious. <laughs> and say hello from both the Bigfoot Pro Wrestling Podcast and Without a Cause. All right, my man. Hey. I'm going to let you go. We're going to head over here from the one and only, the great Bambina. I am the L train. That is Max. And we are leaving the station. <laughs>
Hey, this is the L Train. This is episode 179, and I've got a fabulous guest. Hooked this up kind of last moment. Uh, the bass hit bitch, the great Bambina. How are you this morning? Pinch hitting on a Sunday. <laughs> there you go. Brought you in for the pinch hit. That was great. <laughs> so how's your Sunday going? It's been okay. Um, I uh, am about to conclude a two-week um, mandatory leave from my job because I took a booking out of state. Um, I live in Berkeley, California right now, and I um, wrestled in Washington. And, and right now, my state has... has Guidelines that if you leave the state, then you should not go to work for two weeks. Um, so tomorrow will be my, my first day back. I've basically just been on more or less a vacation for the last two weeks. Oh gosh, well, I hope you had, you know, time to cover that or however it works for you. That two weeks without a pay would be, a, you know, in my book would be big. Yeah, it's, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's work it out. You can probably get, an, I don't know how California state works, but, you know, maybe you get unemployment or something for that. I don't know. So how's your uh, Thanksgiving weekend been going? You know, I've been, it's the first time I've been off for four days since I was actually off for six weeks starting in, uh, in March for the pandemic. Cause our, our, uh, job kind of just kind of um, took the numbers down. So, uh, I, uh, it's, it's okay. Um, I, uh, in, in true, in true lesbian fashion, <laughs> um, I, uh, like hardcore nested with another woman, during like the Thanksgiving holiday and then we broke up like right after. Um, so I'm like in this like weird place of endings and beginnings uh, and just trying to took my feelings away and um, in this cast iron skillet that I'm working on right now. Oh, so I'm, um, I'm glad that I get this opportunity to talk with you about something that brings me joy. <laughs> well, good, good, good. I hope you get your little joy. And I'm sorry I brought that up and brought up a bad uh, moment for you. Then I'm sorry about that. That's okay. No, it's. I mean, that's <laughs> just part. That's just part of life. Uh, well, did you at least have something good to eat on Thanksgiving? Yeah, we um, we we baked a <laughs> chocolate and pecan pie together from scratch. Um, that was really nice. Um, tasted great. Um, also precipitated our breakup. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> um, I, you know, like we were, we we're both in the kitchen just looking at it and she like looked over to me and, uh, said, look at our baby boy. And that, uh, I don't know that changed something within me. You know, I, when you live in the Bay area, you are basically 23 your whole life because, you know, your, your housing situation is always kind of up for grabs. Um, I suffered a house fire this year. Okay. Um, was that in those somebody, big wildfires uh, down there or is it something different? No, an arson. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Someone tried to burn my house down and tried to kill me this year. <laughs> um, well, and, uh, you know, and like, before that, you know, like I was in a series of really unfulfilling um, living situations. So like you just never feel like an adult um, unless you like make enough money that you can become, you know, the, you know, the uh, technocratic class. <laughs> um, but so I've just been kind of just like going through life, you know, feeling perpetually a child and like this, this week was like really transformative for me because it was an opportunity where 
I realized like, I don't, I don't want to be that all my life. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to be 23 until I'm 123. Like I gotta, um, like I gotta like make some decisions on like, well, are you reflecting? Uh, are you are you making plans in your mind right now? Um, I'm making plans to, um, I, you know. So I I, t I I talk about this in like other podcasts, but like for me, wrestling is more of a lifestyle than a career. You know, it's um, it's my community. It's it's what I do with myself, and um, you know, uh, try. I so I currently work two full time jobs on top of the wrestling, on top of like trying to have a relationship or trying to have hobbies that I don't try to monetize. Um, and this, um, and so I'm I'm at this like point, and, and you know, like you, I think a lot of people are experiencing this because of the pandemic, but like you, you endure all of this because you are being told like from a young age that there is a plan there is a pattern that like it sucks but like the 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 stuff that sucks that you're experiencing is part of some design and then the pandemic hit we all like and a lot of people realize oh there's no plan mm. like even though capitalism like even though capitalism is this like infernal machination that like dominates our lives it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like well thought out or <laughs> like particularly well prepared. And so like, I just like realized like, it's not really going to matter if I find a way to hustle two full-time jobs and everything, there's no plan. Um, so I'm just making some choices around what I can give up. Um, and, you know, I, I, well, it sounds like pretty I, busy. I, you're you're running two full time jobs. You know, have this relationship going on. Still trying to do the wrestling thing. Well, as much as wrestling stuff that you can do now, man. That that's really got to keep you like busy and busy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I was <laughs> like for like ten months now. I've been like reading these uh, articles about like what are people are doing with all this free time they have, and I'm like, I because I work in two healthcare STEM fields, mm. so I've had no chill. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, uh, I work so in the, why, the primary care. I work, uh, I would do insurance and check in and rece reception. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's hard for us right now. Yeah. It's um, incredibly hard. So I've just been thinking about, you know, what, what is worth compromising on in life? Like what, what financial, like what degree of financial stability or instability I'm willing to settle with. Like, I really just want to wrestle and bake. And <laughs> um, like right now over the last like two weeks, I've been uh, working to refashion my kitchen um, so I can launch my cooking show. Um, I just want to do things that fulfill me. I have like this, this, if anything, this pandemic has really shown me that one, I don't want to be young forever. And two, I there's no plan and so me trying to find a way to fit into like some grand abstract plan I might as well just like just focus on me and like the things that fulfill me well that's um, the best thing to do just you know get 
find the things that make you happy, you know, and just kind of live through that stuff and just kind of grow through that. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm a bit older than you. I'm almost 49 years old and, you know, from 20 to 30 to now went pretty damn quick. So I'm also going to say kind of enjoy what's there for you at the moment too. How old do you think I am? I have no idea. I want you to guess. 31. 35. So you're close. <laughs> I wasn't too bad off then. <laughs> no. So you're a little older than I thought you were. See, you didn't look that old. So. But uh, so you probably know how it goes from 20 till 35. It's like a snap in the fingers and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where'd all that time go? At least for yeah, me, that's how it worked. Um, I don't know. Maybe I didn't stay busy enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, it's very, it's been very discombobulating for me because, you know, uh, when my mother was my age, she had a million children and, um, you know, had a, had a home owned a home and like you know i will never like i like i don't think in my lifetime i will ever achieve like a measure of the like uh a measure um of that uh stability that my mother had but also my mother was in pre pre pre-world war america so (laughs) things were different then so you came Um, from a pretty sizable family Yes, yes, I came from a um a very sizable family in the Midwest. Um go go Rockford. <laughs> Before we head down that line too much, I, you know, you mentioned the baking thing. Uh, where did this love for uh baking come because I did, you know, sorry to bring up the pie thing again, but I did see the picture of it. Oh, it okay. looked amazing. So, like, did you go to school for this? Is it something you've learned your whole life? Mom teach you something like that? It's something I learned um, it's something I learned kind of as an adult. I mean, my mother baked a lot. My mother baked, my mom would bake cakes. Um, I tend to, I lean more towards tarts and scones. <laughs> I like really rustic pastries. I'm not really into icing or filling. I don't believe in empty calories. Like I think that is a <laughs> nonsense junk science, um, concept, but I'm also just not really e- into eating a lot of sugary cream. Um, I mostly got into baking because I'm really, I'm very socially awkward. Um, I really actually hate parties. Um, I haven't been to a concert in over 10 years. Um, I just, I don't really like crowds. And so baking something gives me kind of a reason to be at a place and to be with people. And then like, at the very least, I'm able to, you know, um, you know, I get to show up to a party or show up to a gathering or I get to visit a friend and I, um, get to give a thing and giving, you know, every baking is, uh, I think like, um, I mean, I could go on and on about like how baking is like alchemy and it's like a magic in its own way, but like, (laughs) you know, a pie isn't always just a pie, you know, it's, um, it can be expressions of love. It can be expressions of solidarity. It's, you know, when you when you bake something for somebody, you are putting time and effort and almost a scientific amount of um, forethought and care into something like uh, into an experience that they will have. Um, and that's like what really motivates me is I like I like baking stuff that I can give to people and then, you know, they can have these experiences, whatever that experience will be. 
Um, there was a, before the pandemic, I, um, I kind of enjoyed, uh, just showing up to people's houses, giving them scones and then leaving. Um, that was very gratifying for me. Well, I'm way I up here like in Washington, would... but you want to leave some scones at my doorstep. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, next, yeah, maybe next time I'm next, maybe next time I'm up there. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely, I did some baking with my, um, my, my best friend of me. Uh, Kikio. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> nice. we we exchange recipes sometimes. I mean, that's another thing that's cool about baking is like baking is a science and it is a sort of wisdom that is passed down and around. And so it, it's fun. It's nice <laughs> to just as it's nice to like talk with other wrestlers and get other wrestlers' insights. It's also really nice to talk with other bakers and get their ideas and insights. You know. Uh, Inside every bit of food you eat is, you know, uh, is a narrative and a story of like a, a culture and a people and a person, you know, um, it's, um, it's, you know, like I think of like a pie, like I think if you like, uh, you can look at a pie and really break it down into like ones and zeros like it really like a pie really is just like edible information in a lot of ways <laughs> well you know you kind of talked about you know passing things on and stuff like that like every christmas well i didn't i don't know if i'll do it this year because there won't be enough people to you know share them with probably because we can't get into those big groups probably i don't know we'll see what how what happens in four weeks but you know my grandma made these sour cream sugar cookies with um sour cream frosting on them and to this mm, day, mm. I, I still make those, man. They're the one you have to make the dough, chill it, pull it out, flour, roll it all out, cut it in circles or whatever, you know, your cookie cutters might be, you know, and then make that stuff from scratch, you know, the, the frosting and stuff. So one of my favorite things to bake right there. That sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> I learned from my mom and my grandma, and I've worked in a couple of restaurants in the past when I was like in my 20s and 19 and stuff, you know, doing baking and, you know, dishes and just learning stuff from there. So I know what you mean about uh, when you make something and you give it to somebody like, you know, and they love it. Like, it's just, it's a great feeling. I recently came into possession of the Boston Cooking School Cookbook, which was, um, uh, was written by Fanny Farmer, who's like kind of a sort of kind of an OG, as the kids say, um, of uh, cooking writing. Um, and it's just this it's this massive book of recipes um, spanning the whole gamut of food from soups to desserts. Um, it also has some really terrifying, truly, like truly uh, threatening recipes. Uh, I think one of them is um, mackerel baked in milk. Um, yeah, or uh, or uh, <laughs> Japanese lobster omelet, which actually sounds really good. Um, and uh, you know, like it, now, like with you know the advent of like YouTube. I mean, there's so many cooking mm. shows on YouTube, and actually, I spend a lot of my time now watching other people's cooking shows and just like writing down the things that they do, so I don't do them. Um, but you know, there was a time where if you wanted to like be good at cooking, you would have to like go to a school um, and like be. You'd have to carry this giant textbook of like conversions around, and you would have to like. Um, you know, you would just be around other people, mostly women, um, you know, and, and learning how to 
um, learning how to like mm-hmm. take all this, like, you know, to how to convert all this like raw knowledge. Right. Someone has um, to help you that convert been passed it. down through generations into mackerel baked in milk. Um, <laughs> Actually, know. one of the one of the things I have planned for 2021, I made a bunch of lists of 21 things um, for 2021, and one of them is is 21 Fanny Farmer recipes, um, because they they really run the limit of um, of terrifying to uh, inspiring. And I'm hoping to I'm hoping that something like that will keep me occupied as I wait for wrestling sort of get back into the swing of things this is a wrestling podcast let's let's talk about wrestling i'm sorry i i <laughs> no took no you to so many places bambina if you listen to any of my shows you'll see sometime like when i talked to daniel Maccabi the first time we talked for almost 45 minutes about just music and other stuff so it happens sometimes people want to hear the wrestling stuff sometimes they get to hear you know personal stuff and cool stories about other things and now we all learned well People probably may know that that know you, but I learned you're a big time baker. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time before the pandemic uh, hit? I know you've had some matches uh, up here, like you said, you came to Washington. What was the last uh, match you had before pandemic when you still had crowds? Um, the last match that I had before the pandemic was um, me and Alan Jepson uh, <laughs> versus. Um, Christian Andes and Officer Dean Cooper at three to one battle. Oh, fun, fun, fun! I just talked to Alan uh, right on the. That was like right on the cusp of, like literally. I think it was like a. Um, we had that match, and then like three weeks, two or three weeks later, um, like is when uh, we had to start shutting down shows here in California. Oh man, yeah, that sucked. But anyway, so yeah, that must have been a lot of fun. I just talked to Alan uh, last week about uh, SOS Wrestling, and uh, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers that people haven't watched yet. But uh, how did you get involved with this uh, SOS Pro Wrestling? Because I really enjoyed you uh, showing up there and uh, what you did last week. You took on the uh, mysterious Raymond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I won't give away anything that happened, but uh, how all this come uh, together for you? What? What a what a tricksy man. <laughs> that Raymond is. I like the gimmick um, though. Me and my wife were laughing up like Raymond Mysterio. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just real. I just, I just got that. <laughs> I, it never occurred to me. Mysterious. Um, Raymond. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I had. Um, Kikio and I are um, very good. So Kikio. Um, brought me into my first all women show. Mm. Um, I had debuted on Glam, which was a women's like was a show in the Hood Slam network of of shows that like focused on women, but it wasn't like it, it wasn't like a women's wrestling show. But Kikio brought me up um, to Cascade Championship Wrestling for an all women tournament, and this was like my first year in wrestling. And uh, I'm like, yeah, awesome. I'm going to wrestle in Oakland on Friday. And then me and my manager are going to drive through the, through like through the night and drive to Spokane overnight. Old school Um, road trips, old school road trip. Yeah. And then we, we got there. I wrestled it. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Um, And then, uh, 
yeah and then she just kind of like became from that like she had sort of has become you know a, a, a mentor to me um of sorts in 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 specific ways like she's very kikyo has a lot of knowledge um and a lot of a lot of knowledge and a lot of sort of want to look for um she knows what's up you know like in terms of like being a woman wrestler um and she's able to give me a lot of good advice. Um, she's actually um, later. Th- so this time, like this time around this time last year, um, I like flew, uh, I flew across the country to go to Chicago for a Lucha seminar <laughs> um, that had like the hopes of like, if you did the seminar well enough, you might get to wrestle a dark match on this show. And I did that. Um, and I had like such a horrible time, um, because the, the vet there who's running it just like kept mocking me for my gender mm-hmm. and like Kiki, was like someone who like, really, like, I, I was almost ready to quit wrestling after that. Cause I was like, so humiliated, like literally in the, you know, in the middle, I I've lived in California long enough that I don't, I, I'm not prepared for Chicago weather. <laughs> um, I showed up to Chicago in a windbreaker and like, Oh, uh, that's a whole thing, but like Kikio was like there to like really hype me up and like talk me back down into why I want to do this. And so I, I was, I went to, vi- you know, we, we try to visit each other and, and stay in touch, like outside of wrestling. And I, and I planned to go see her, um, as a mutual birthday gift for the both of us. Um, and so I went to go stay with her and Rook, um, dynamic or Kelly and we were there I was there and it, that, the timing of it just happened that I was there the same uh, week that um, uh, the same week that uh, Alan Jeffson uh, had an unsolved murder um, <laughs> and so I, I stepped into uh, I visited the island of SOS Pro Wrestling to, to try and uncover um my friend's disappearance. So you had to take the, the plane like everyone else and suddenly you were just on the island too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was able to use my, I was able to use my time travel. Oh, gotcha. That's right. Machine. That's right. That's right. So I was able to, <laughs> it's a much easier, uh, process, much easier screening process. Uh, when you have a time machine. <laughs> that's probably true. You don't have to go through, you know, the whole, you know, pat down and all that probably. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's been uh, really fun watching uh, SOS. Five episodes are up on uh, on YouTube. It's really been a lot of fun. It's a great concept. When I was talking to Alan about it, I was telling him, I was like, you know, feels like Survivor, feels like Gilligan's Island, feels like Lost, you know, whole kinds of different stuff. You know, people showing up left and right, like uh, another guy showed up on two episodes and wrestled last week finally. And, uh, man, it's just really a lot of fun. It must be a lot of fun doing that stuff. It's, it's, it's the wrestling that I like to, it's the wrestling that I aspire to make. Um, and being is, uh, I really like wrestling that has like a regional character to it. Um, like there's something very, very Pacific Northwest about SOS pro wrestling. (laughs) Um, and that's like part of its charm. And that's what I, that's part of what I really liked about being a part of it. Um, same with five CC. There's something very uniquely uh, PNW about it. Um, I like how 
I like how, at least on the West Coast, like it, it really feels like people are um, more encouraged to just be like the fullest extent of themselves um, rather than trying to sort of like hammer people into like into a template. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I mean, AEW is cool. Uh, and you know, but I find I'm seeing that the longer the AEW runs, um, like the more, the less, like the more diverse of talent they get, the less body diverse, mm a lot of that talent is. Um, and I just, I don't know personally. And I, and I guess I'm saying this from like someone who doesn't have rock hard abs. Um, I'm kind of doughy <laughs> admittedly. Um, but I just, you know, I, I like, I like, re- I like it when wrestling can accommodate bodies like mine. <laughs> oh, that's uh totally, I completely understand. I mean, Hey, one of the greatest of all time, Dusty Rhodes, like he said in that, you know, promo, his fanny's a little bigger. He don't look like the other guys, but, you know, he was still so successful for what he would do, his promos, you know, and he was the, he was the common man. He was the people's person and, you know, and characters kind of fall into that, uh, you know, with, with fans, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I show the hard times promo to literally every other socialist <laughs> organizer I know because I it really it doesn't get more plain than that when when, when people talk about like how you know um, socialism or communism or, or social justice is just like inaccessible to real working class people I always show them hard times because that's like that is like the epitome of how you explain <laughs> the the misery of capitalism to people. Um, right. you, they make you retire, kick you in the butt, and give you a watch or whatever the hell he said that way. You know, the computer took your job. <laughs> that's so because I that's you know I grew up WTBS and then Portland big time Don Owens wrestling and so you know Dusty and those guys the promos back then you know were just I don't know there was just something amazing about those guys I don't know they put everything they had it they were doing it seven days a week and twice on you know Sunday or whatever man so I don't know. I love that kind of stuff. I love the storytelling. I love, uh, like the entertainment of, I like a good old fashioned, you know, slobber knocker match or, you know, high flying spot fest too. But something about just the major storytelling that just kind of just pulls you into the matches. You could have the worst match in the world, but if like the storytelling was just killer around it, people will still love it anyway. I found when I first, when I was a wrestling fan, as a wrestling fan, I would wrestle literally all I would watch all wrestling that I that I could. I would I would watch women of wrestling um, on Saturday mornings, uh, and I would block out like uh, four to six hours every Monday because uh, because they would broadcast um, they would broadcast uh, Nitro um, twice mm-hmm. on, on Mondays. So I'd watch the first broadcast of Nitro, then Raw, and then sometimes I would rewatch, uh, I would rewatch Nitro. And I watched all the wrestling that I could, but I definitely like favored the, you know, I, I, I paid more attention to the fil- like the, the bigger shows. And now that I'm a wrestler, I'm really watching a lot of that filler stuff. Like I'm watching like WCW worldwide because there's so much like, um, 
there's so much to learn from that. <laughs> um, like I, I get so much out of watching like William Regal um, <laughs> oh, wrestling on WCW Worldwide because he really he makes all of those matches look. Yeah, he makes every match he has on on like those B shows look um, like they have stakes. He's also mm-hmm. uh, William Regal. Um, William Regal's also the kind of wrestler I aspire to be. He he does a lot of catch and a lot of chain. Um, I'm really into I'm really into that stuff. Well, um, I, I love him for that, the way he wrestles. And the expressions he gets on his faces at certain times, you know. He knows when to kind of bail out of the ring and kind of, you know, talk smack for a minute, get back in there. He's just, I love that guy. But, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, William Regal, you know. he And he could take anyone and put him in the ring with him, and he's going to make them look like a million bucks, right? Yeah. So, uh, in boxing, I think, you know, uh, in boxing, he definitely would have been considered a um, – Maybe I mean now I think he would be considered a gatekeeper. Um, are, are you familiar with the levels in boxing? Um, not really. You can explain it. So, me. so in boxing you have um, box in boxing you have like you know your novices, and then you have your journeymen, and and journeymen are you know they would be what we would like in wrestling consider like the mid carters, um, you know people who. Um, people who've been doing it for a long time ne- don't necessarily have the mastery of the craft, but are really good at elevating, um, at, like elevating people to, um, Nate Campbell said that like behind every, you know, a lot of journeymen, if you showed, if you show me, uh, I think the quote was, if you show me, uh, 10 journeymen, I'll show you. 15 world champions each of those journeymen has made because that's that's mostly what they've been used for is to like um to help kind of build up um bigger box you know bigger name boxers and then you have your your gatekeepers which are slightly above that which are like people who've been it for a long time and are respected veterans but just didn't have a lot of just didn't really have a lot of um you know media um push or a promoter to back them mm-hmm. um and then you have your like your contenders so like your your world champions and such um and i think you know regal regal for a long time was definitely like a journeyman and now he's more of a gatekeeper because like now he's been doing this for so long that now he's able to kind of guide the course of of wrestling mm-hmm. um you know so but t- i you know i i think that that's um I don't know. I, I didn't get into wrestling necessarily to be like famous and uh, at the top of any field. I, I really aspire to just like be, you know, I, I just want to like, I want to be able to go to a show and like bake everyone's scones and then <laughs> wrestle and then have everyone tell me that I did my best. <laughs> Great match, but those scones, man, stole the show. <laughs> yeah i would be totally fine I would, I would totally be fine with that well let's go back a little bit so uh you know you talked about watching nitro and um and raw and maybe rewatching nitro so uh when did you first start uh getting into uh professional wrestling like watching it when did you <sighs> I discover say, it? i don't uh late 1920s um <laughs> This is right this is uh right on the this is like your mildred burke era um i really got into i really got into going to 
the cat, you know, going to the fair um, and going to the local um, auditorium. Um, it was just, it was very, uh, it just felt so, so freeing. Um, and just to see, see, the thing is like with wrestling in, wrestling in that time was, it's a lot more, it's a lot more carnival. Um, it was a lot more circusy. It was a lot more, um, it was showy, but still very gritty. Um, people had very lumpy bodies. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, people weren't as smart about wrestling as they are now. Um, and so you were, you know, like there was a mystique of it. There's this mystique of like, you know, like you could see, you could watch like two women like struggle in a head scissor for a long time. And, you know, you didn't have, it's, it's a misery now, you know, going to wrestling shows now because I always end up inevitably like in, in some like, I always end up in a situation where like I'm having someone trying to explain wrestling to me. Um, it's just the fate of all women. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I hate that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like I, I, and that's like why I'm really drawn, I guess, to, I was really drawn to like institutions like hood slam, mm-hmm. um, and three to one battle, and a lot of, I think what people would call weird wrestling, um, there's this like, you know, this, there's this pocket of indie wrestling that isn't necessarily meant to like, it's not trying to psych out, you know, it's, it's, you know, if, if you consider it like a magic show and there's some wrestlers who are magicians, like Johnny Saint is really a Las Vegas magician, but a wrestler, like, he, you know, he has he has the same act that he does in every match, and it's amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, uh, I like wrestling that like plays to people who don't who don't overthink wrestling, who for whom like you know um, a body slam is an earth shattering move, and not like you know not someone uh, like not a tran- not uh, not a transition. Um, as I think a lot of people have come to look, you know, because there, there's this kind of like um, entropy to wrestling in the sense that like, um, so there's this movie, uh, this movie in the seventies uh, for all the marbles and it stars the guy who plays Columbo. Um, <laughs> and it's this great movie. I love it. It's about a women's tag team and they travel the country wrestling other regional tag teams. And throughout the like match, the the film, they keep hyping up the sunset flip as like a match ending move. Um, And like now, when you see a sunset flip, you know, uh, we have become so self aware about wrestling that we just like, ah, sunset flip, what's next? Um, And I, I miss the times when like a drop kick was. A drop kick was, you know, um, the drop of the hammer, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I miss a lot of that. There's a lot of that, you know, on wrestling now where a finisher, you know, I'm not getting too much of that, but a guy that used to hit this one finisher now has to hit it like, you know, eight times or something. And I'm not a fan of that either. 
yeah, I, that's why I that's why I, I actually prefer submission wrestling, um, despite my size. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people would look at me and think, ah, oh, she's a bruiser. But I actually really like submission wrestling for that reason. Um, I want to, like, to me, like, mastery of wrestling is when you can when you can tap someone out with a body scissor <laughs> or with a you know with a cobra clutch or um, cobra. what have you. I I really like if anyone can spam moves right. Um, but it takes like a real, I think it was, um, Arne Anderson. Arne Anderson once said in, um, in an interview, in a promo that he would rather have someone tap out than pin them. And that, and I, and I also subscribe that I would rather tap somebody out than pin them because I want, you know, if I, if I, if I spam you as they, as the kids say with my move over and over. Um, eventually, I mean, that, that take, that doesn't take, that doesn't take a whole lot of wit. That doesn't take a whole lot of cleverness. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm bigger than you and I have the momentum in a match, you know, I just have to be able to do that without like, um, dry heaving. But if I can get you in a submission and just lock it in and wear down your resolve, you know, to me, that's. That's what makes uh, that's what makes wrestling uh, worth doing. That's more of the um, <clears throat> excuse me, more of the slap in the face to your opponent a little bit. Like I didn't get lucky and pin you real quick. I made you give up, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, you know, I, I kind of like baking. <laughs> I like to think of myself as someone who has an understanding of the body, just like I would have an understanding of a recipe, you know, uh, I understand when I look at someone, I think of, I think of the recipe of, of their life and of who they are. And, um, you know, I, I feel like being, being able to make someone tap out or pass out from a submission is, uh, reading and executing the recipe. Well, <laughs> it is, um, who was it? I think it was Paul Heyman. I heard him talking about one time and I don't know what it was on, but he was saying, you know, if you took a guy like Mark Henry years ago and Mark went in there and as soon as he put someone in a headlock, they'd have to submit because he would just be too strong and he could be put over so big if that's just what they would do to him. You know, as soon as he snatched that thing in, it's over. They could have took him so far with that, but I don't know. And I, and I always liked the way he said that, you know, this simple thing could have sold so much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, uh, who were um, some of the wrestlers that um, really made you want to be a wrestler yourself? Mildred Burke, um, Killam Gillum, May Young. Um, Love me some May Young. Uh, when I was a big fan of Wendy Richter. Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was, I, I, was able to um, go back in time and watch her first big match with Mula um, on the Brawl for All, Brawl for It All, the yep. precursor to WrestleMania. Um, I think that... No, oh, it was the <clears throat> the war to settle the score. Yeah. Well, there's two. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, actually. Yeah. There's two. Um, 
And then that, those were the precursors to WrestleMania. I, you know, and I think that, you know, and, and um, Wendy Richter and Fabulous Moolah were the main event of that first MTV special. Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan's title match was the mid card, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I think that um, I'm, I'm kind of, I really try to, I believe that wrestling should be intergender and interspecies and inner anything. I don't believe in segregation of any kind in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, any, any creature with the sentience to get in the ring deserves to be in it. But I also, I try really hard to um, study and observe and, and to the extent that I can uh, preserve women's wrestling because there's, you know, um, McMahon's overtaking of professional wrestling through nationalizing it. Um, I really shouldn't say nationalizing it because that implies that it was being done by uh, the people for socialistic ends, which would have been tight, but it wasn't. Um, But it really rewrote a lot of wrestling history. Um, Women have always been uh, at the forefront of wrestling. Women have always been on, on main eventing. Women have always been selling out arenas. Um, women are to explain for Hulk Hogan, um, Cindy Lauper, uh, managing Wendy Richter, um, is truly, uh, truly what, what it has, what precipitated Hulkamania. Hulk Hogan would not exist without that. And the rock and wrestling, know, rock and wrestling connection and all that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, um, Women's wrestling has always has always been a core component of the sport. It's just that for a number of for a number of reasons um, relating to patriarchy and and sexism and our weird American hangups about gender, um, it gets constantly being shoehorned. It gets constantly being revised um, into being, you know. Um, an offshoot and afterthought, but it's always front and center of my mind. Um, I'm always, you know, when I, when I do tape study, I'm, I'm going back and watching, you know, Vivian Vachon and, um, (laughs) you know, I, and I wish, and that's what I really, um, that's what I really uh, enjoyed. I got to um, go to a shimmer taping, um, last year and that was actually really that was a lot of fun for me um because it it did sort of remind me a lot of the wrestling that i grew up with um in the 20s and uh 30s it's very um what's the word i want to like it's very it's very intimate um you know it's in a small venue so you can hear um you can hear everyone talking to each other um, it's big characters and it's, um, it's good old fashioned wrestling that doesn't try to, it's not, it's not trying to, um, it's not a magician trying to outsmart, uh, the person in the crowd who knows how the trick is done. It's really the only other, uh, analogy that I could use for it. So, um, when did you, um, decide that you were going to get into pro wrestling, you had to be a pro wrestler. And then, uh, how did you get into it, into training? That's a great question. Um, you know, I had always really liked wrestling, but I, it never, 
never occurred to me that it was something I could do. Um, you know, 2020 has really been the year of the trans woman wrestler, but you know, um, when I was in the, you know, when I was growing up in the thirties, um, that idea hadn't really materialized in, in a way that I could take advantage of, but then I came to the future and well, your present, my future. And I was, um, I became friends with dark chic, um, the owner and promoter of hood slam. And um, I, I was working as a journalist at the time, and I interviewed her for uh, to promote the upcoming Entertainia. And we, we talked, and we became friends. And, and I would like kind of tease and needle her on Twitter. Um, and, you know, when are you going to train me? When are you going to train me? Um, and then uh, a couple years ago, um, it was right after New Year's. I, I know that because I I went to a friend's house on New Year's Eve and we got very shit-faced and did drugs and we watched um, some wrestling and I had this mo- I had this feeling in myself. I had this sprouting uh, inkling in my heart, in my soul that what the, the, the moment that I was experiencing was going to be pivotal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few days later, Dark Sheik messaged me and, and asked if I would like to be trained. She was doing an all-girls class um, uh, of just, um, just, just her and some other, uh, her and some other like Hood Slam regulars. Her, it was her, um, Boone, Richard Shinari, and then a bunch of girls. Um, and... Uh, I, yeah, I went and I wasn't very good. Um, not to suggest that I'm great now. I mean, the, the name is a bit of a gimmick, but, um, you know, I, I just kept going. And eventually, um, Sheik said that, you know, I reached a point where I really needed to um, start training with the twins. Um, in addition to, because I was doing her class like once a week. Um, and then, so we, I started going, um, just real quick from that, from that first class, did you know you loved it? Yes. I knew I loved it. I didn't know if I was going to be good at it, Um, (laughs) but you enjoyed it. You know, I, I, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I remember, um, (laughs) um, I, at the time I lived very close to the, to the, um, to the victory warehouse, which is where hood slam started. And where the training was. And I remember one night I was walking home and I was just posting on Facebook that I took my first ever body slam. And I was so proud of myself. And I was so euphoric that I forgot my way home for a minute. Um, But uh, no, I loved it. Um, It was so challenging. It it was, you know, uh, I watched wrestling all my life and I thought, you know... um, I thought it was something that it wasn't. And, you know, I'm, I'm relearning that every day that every day I get in the ring for training. Um, you know, I, I went into, I went, I started training, not being able to do a somersault, um, or a front flip. And, you know, those are kind of basic skills that you need to have. Uh, it took me months to kind of get them. And even still, I, you know, um, that's something about wrestling is that, like any art, you know, you, you, you grasp some basics and you move on to intermediate, um, broader, more abstract concepts. And then even as you are 
you know, pursuing that, um, you still have to go back and brush up on your basics. You know, I, um, I often find myself in a situation where I'm, you know, uh, debating the various moves to focus on in my arsenal. Um, and then I, um, my trainers remind me that I kind of have to work on something that is a day one skill. Um, so I started training with the Stoner brothers and I trained with them. I still train with them, um, for years. Uh, we're going on three. Um, and that's really how it, how it started. Um, I'm very, I really can't, um, I can't downplay like how, I mean, just, um, I try to go every day. Um, I, I, I try to go to practice every day, three or four times a week. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I've had to take time off because of injuries or for traveling. Um, I recently had to take some time off because I, um, I had a minor skull fracture. <laughs> minor? Gosh. Um, a guy dropped on my eye socket. I was not, was, I got through it. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, I grew up a lot of my life being told what someone like me should and shouldn't expect society to allow them to do to, you know, being told like what dignities um, like society would afford me. And to have Dark Sheik and, and the Stoner Brothers and everyone else, uh, you know, connected with Stoner U, uh, Link to the Future, Anton Voorhees, the talent enhancement, you know, um, to have all those people like mm. really show up for me and train me and not and take me seriously as, you know, as an uh, <laughs> as a trans woman in her thirties, <laughs> you know, it was very transformative for me, and I'm very um, I'm very loyal. Um, to not only the the school, but also just to the the ideology and the philosophy, um, because you know I I truly believe that I truly believe that anyone it's it's not for everyone, but anyone can do it. Hmm. And just to take you back to that beginning training, uh, you know, first couple three four weeks, how was your body feeling? I don't know. Were you, did you do other athletics oh, up to this, or just a, suddenly you got I thrown into doing all stuff? <laughs> Just sore, stiff, painful. Yeah, I could, you know. Um, <clears throat> Lots of time. A wrestling all. match. A wrestling match in a lot of ways is wrestling. A wrestling match is like uh, multiple low-speed car crashes. Yeah. I mean, you guys are like just in terms. You know, all you guys are just like you know football players smashing into each other without pads. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, and it takes, there's a period where, like, you're, at first your body's like, I'm, I'm dying. Stop doing this. <laughs> this hurts. This sucks. And then you work through that, and eventually, like, you reach this point where, um, where you're able to, like, uh, absorb the damage and, like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, it's, it's tough. Um, I'm in a interesting position because, because I, um, am on hormone replacement therapy. 
I don't age at the rate of other people my age. Um, this is kind of a, it's like a well-known, like open secret. Um, trans people just age at a different rate. I still, you know, not to brag, but I, I don't look 35. As you yourself have, uh, <laughs> just so we're clear, I'm not bragging. I did state um, that earlier in the show. Thank you. So like, I don't feel 35 in a lot of ways. Um, I don't have a lot of some of the other issues that my, that other people at my physical age have, but you know, I'm also 35 and my shoulders pop a lot um, (laughs) while I'm like working in the kitchen. And that's something that, you know, a lot of 35 year olds don't have, (laughs) Um, you know? um, So I, it's, it's a trade-off, you know, like you, and that's why I say that like wrestling is more, of my lifestyle than a career just in that like every day I'm like, this is, this is how my body is going to feel and operate the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like live, you know, reaching for that mixer to mix, you know, your batter and you can feel it just crack, crack, crack as you're listening or as you're reaching. Mm -hmm. Oh man, (laughs) that's tough. So how long you been doing this now? The wrestling thing. Um, I am coming on, I'm coming up on my two year anniversary of, of being, you know, quote pro of, uh, and by pro, I mean like being on shows and getting paid for it. Um, I debuted in, yeah, I debuted in February of 2019. Um, and so, and you know, and that it's been a real, uh, and, and that first year, I was just taking any match I could get. And that first year wrestling, I wrestled 55 matches um, between um, – I was in a bunch of tournaments that year, so that really helped. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was all about just like I'll travel anywhere. I'll wrestle anyone. But, 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 just, you know, let's do it. Um, and so the pandemic has like really messed me up just because – I have just, I went from like 55 matches in a year to maybe 25. Mm. Um, maybe, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't, I guess like right now, I, I don't really know what my, I don't have a good idea of like what, like what a sustainable rate of work is for me yet. Cause I, you know, I'm sort of still, I'm trying to blossom into a wrestler in a time where there sh- should be very limited wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, um, along the way, these last couple of years, you know, not the pandemic time, but what's been the toughest part about being a professional wrestler? Um, the toughest part is just, The toughest part is, um, I know that I'm not conventionally pretty. I know that I'm not, I don't fit the box that a lot of people have in their mind over what a woman, cis or trans, would look like. Um, And... You know, because of that, I feel extremely, you know, I, I feel very loyal um, 
to people who like show up for me and like support me and like, you know, help try and get me further along in the business. And then, but then at the same time, like I am very wrapped up in wanting to do them proud. Um, you know, I, I, I think my, like, I think my biological family is chill with me now, <laughs> but I don't know if they feel proud of me for, you know, having to let go of the person I used to be into being this new person. Um, you know, and, and so like, for me, there is a very primal, very almost juvenile need for like, for me to like, you know, have to make my trainers proud. Um, and the hardest part of wrestling is just like when something doesn't go my way, when a match, you know, when I, when I, a match doesn't go my way or, an opportunity dries up or whatever, whatever, you know, it's, it's hard for me to process feeling like I have let someone who believed in me down. Um, that's the hardest part. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's like tough to run around a lot. It's hard to like, you know, uh, it's hard to like fall down and be slammed and be superplexed. That's uh, yeah, that's hard. You know, traveling is hard. Um, but for me, the, the like, I for me the hardest part is just that internal work of like, you know, accepting my limitations and accepting that you know my trainers and my <laughs> fellow students and everyone are probably proud to, proud of me to an extent, but also like. I cannot hold myself. I can't hold myself to a standard that another person can't really conceivably meet. You know, like I can't, I can't get, um, do you read Akewood? Um, I don't think so. I'm not familiar with that. So in Akewood, um, there is a character named Philippe whose mother adores him and, and, um, frequently, uh, and and gives him shoes that say here comes a special boy when he walks and um you know uh i'm not i have to accept you know that i can't get here comes a special girl certificates every time i have like some mile some moderate milestone right um i would like that cuz i am very prissy and live and die for affirmations. But that's part of being an adult is you have to learn how to be able to give yourself those affirmations. If I may ask, does your um, family, your mom specifically, do they, have they seen you wrestle with Have they come and watched you wrestle? My brother um, has seen me wrestle. My brother lives in Seattle. So he got to see me wrestle um, at three to one battle, um, which was, really nice because um i um it was it was just really lovely uh for that um because it was something that he and i had always talked about doing um as children and you know me doing it and i'm i'm a bit older than him and me doing it i think maybe you know sort of inspired him to think that you know maybe he could do it um that was really gratifying for me. That's awesome. You got to have someone come in uh, from your family and see just what you love to do. 
that's got to be just yeah. a beautiful feeling. It's also nice because like, um, siblings are different. Um, you know, I, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll bring, I brought like, um, I brought someone I was dating to a, a match. Um, and like after the match, they were like, Oh my God, are you okay? That was so scary. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but like siblings, like, Oh, you got kicked in the head. That was cool. You know, like, there's there's this degree where they can appreciate it, but they also are just like, yep. <laughs> and then try to slap you in the head every night, you know, when they saw you get yeah. hit there once, you know, they got to slap you in the head, make it hurt more, like a sibling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, you know, I asked you the toughest part. I'm not going to ask you the easiest part. What is the funnest part about being a pro wrestler? I like traveling. Um. You know, I like traveling a lot. I like meeting people. There's something about wrestling that reminds me of, like, being a union organizer. Um, you know, I, I used to love, like, going to union conventions and union meets and, like, meeting people from other parts of, you know, the state or the, the country or whatever. And just that, like, whoa, who are, you know, like, where are you from? That's rad. What are you guys working on? That's cool. Like... You know, even though we live in different worlds, um, we're both we're both united for a similar cause, and that cause really animates us and really gives us something to connect with, um, something that bridges gaps. You know, like you know, uh, as as me, someone who lives like in the Bay Area, meeting like you know someone from a small town in Montana. You know, we both have this thing, and and wrestling is a lot like that for me. You know, I like traveling. I love, um, I love going to a new city and meeting people and just, you know, like having this thing that bridges gaps. You know, I love, um, you know, I try, I believe very much that, you know, wrestling really does have a lot of, um, it does share a lot of elements of mutual aid, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate how wrestlers take care of each other and, um, you know, that uh, it's not really a brotherhood anymore because there's uh, girls and non-binary people all over it now. But, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Everybody. Um, yeah, you know, um, that's what I like about it. Um, I really, you know, I, I that's the thing I miss most about COVID. Um, you know, in my first year of traveling, uh, in my first year of wrestling, I was able to travel. I traveled to Salt Lake City. I traveled to um, I traveled to some forest in Oregon and wrestled in front of a bunch of lesbian bikers. I got to travel to Washington. Um, got to travel uh, in like down to SoCal. Like there are all these places, and I was like really excited. I had, I had a in my old house, the one that got burned down. I had a map and I, and in the map I had, you know, it was like, everyone has one of those, right? Like a push pin map. All right. And um, mine was just filled with push pins of like cities I had wrestled in. And I was really excited to see that grow over time. Um, I mean, right now, I mean, it's, you know, right now it is, I'm still traveling a little bit. Um, it's just, it's more work now. You know, I, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I traveled to 
uh, Washington for SOS Pro and for 5CC. Um, you can catch me versus local celebrity Steve Meggs on 5CC's Cornucopia 2, uh, streaming on demand December 4th. Um, that nasty Meggs. Yeah, he's... Uh, what a crock jock. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, it's what I, um, I, you know, I'm trying to be good and trying to, you know, stay healthy and stay mm-hmm. in shape to a degree because, you know, when wrestling ever comes back, I want to, I want to hit the road again. Like that's, that's where I feel at home. Uh, there was this moment in Salt Lake city, um, or I had the day to myself um, before before the show. So, like, I left my hotel, and then I travel. I went to um, I went to their art museum, and then I went to their tourist center. And I'm just walking. I'm just walking through downtown Salt Lake City, and I see this giant mountain over the horizon, you know. And to me, and as I was like walking through downtown Salt Lake City, and just like seeing that mountain, like um always in the peripheral you know it just reminded me that like no matter how far i go no matter like how big quote i get like i'm there will always be that mountain there will always be something bigger awaiting me um and i may never climb that mountain you know like that's just how life is you know you 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 spend your life working towards things and they don't always take you to the places that you want to you don't always develop the skills or have the relationships, whatever, whatever. You don't always get what you want, but like, it's that journey. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to get back on the journey, you know? Oh, I probably can understand that from you and all the other, uh, wrestlers and refs and, you know, promoters that I've talked to on the podcast. We can't wait to get back to work. Might not be till next, you know, March, April, but, uh, we'll all be, uh, safe there, man. We, I'll just, uh, a couple more questions here for you and then we'll head off. We've been talking over an hour already. I can't believe that. I just looked. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how does it feel for yourself when you're at a show or, or even on social media when a fan tells you how much you mean to them? It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, just cause I, you know, it's, um, it's, it can be a lot. Like I always appreciate it. And that's really, you know, in a lot of ways what motivates me to keep doing this. You know, I do feel to a degree that wrestling is a form of outreach and activism that I can do. Um, you know, I, you know, a wrestler will tell me like, oh, you know, a fan will tell me like, oh, you, um, you inspired me. Like you're, I'm going to pursue my thing, my life now because I have seen you do it. And that, that's always like really, it's really galvanizing for me. It really like really changes that really like, it's very transformative and very like, um, overwhelming, like emotionally, but it's also like, um, I'm always low key worried because I, you know, as I, I, I've spent the last two days after this breakup writing this incoherent poem 
um, that I will probably pay my friends to read because it's just not bad. But, you know, I looking at this pie that, the, you know, our, our baby boy. And I realized that like, I, I don't love myself in the ways that like, uh, that like this baby boy, if they were a person and not a chocolate pecan pie, just need to get that clear that we're not talking about an actual human. But, like, I, I don't love myself in the ways that I should, if I'm going to guide this other person, this other creature through loving themselves. And, so when people tell me how much it means to me, it really, um, to me, it's just like a casual reminder to like clean up my, my act and stop, stop, you know, treating myself as this, like, stop treating myself as this honorary human being and just like do the work I need to on myself to like, you know, I, when, when someone comes up to me and tells me that I've inspired them or, you know, that, that my work means a lot to them, I want, I want to be in a place where I can feel whole enough in myself that I can take that and just be grateful for that and not feel this, like, imposter syndrome. Right. And that's the way it should be because your fans, you know, if they come up to you, they're buying your merch, you know. You come up to you, fight their, their being afraid to come say hi to you to show that, you know, people love you for what you do, the person that you are, and you should be proud of that. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, I actually, uh, Alan Jepson had to set up my merch store for me because I didn't want to do a merch store. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is um, I was just going to get to that here, you know, if, if we wanted some great Bambina merch, <laughs> yeah, where do we find um, it? I just saw it online. Yeah, so if you go to Brainbuster Tees, um, I have a bunch of shirts. So we just released a um, – it's a collaboration between myself, Brittany Wonder, and Darwin Finch. Um, we have this really lovely shirt um, designed by um, designed by Faye, um, who uh, – Slaymaster Faye on Twitter, uh, who is a wrestling student – uh, herself and um so the sh- the the t-shirt is um a comedy wrestling is not a crime and uh for all the proceeds from that shirt um i am donating to the okra project which is a which is a charity mutual aid organization that provides meals services therapy you know life-saving resources to black trans people nice. um so if you want to buy like if you were going to buy anything from me please buy one of those um because it goes towards a good cause and also because it has a giant balloon animal and i <laughs> want more of those on t-shirts sounds great to me um so where do we find you all over social media so i'm i can find on twitter at baseball kick um on Instagram, I am Bambina's baseball kick. Um, and I'm the great Bambina on Facebook. Um, I have a Twitch, twitch.tv slash batter up Bambina. Um, and I am going to be launching a food blog with that same name of batter up Bambina um, soon. We are currently in the process of filming and producing the first ep- new episode of, of my baking and cooking show. Um, I can't wait. 
Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, you're, you're a great host. Thank you for all the thoughtful <laughs> questions. And um, I look forward to, to the plague that has beset, <laughs> besought our land to subside so that maybe we can meet up at a show sometime. I cannot wait because I told my man Max, I was like, you got to book her, get her on the show. We need her up here. <laughs> you can just do a little tour like there and 5CC and, you know, whatever else, you know, we got going on around here. But I, I'd love to meet you in person. I can't wait. Thanks again so much for coming on here. Maybe like within a day's notice, you're you're so amazing to do that. I Thank you. Talking to you, I felt like we've known each other a lot longer than the last 24 <laughs> hours. Thank you. That means a lot. Um <laughs> Any final thoughts before we head off? Um, Black Lives Matter, uh, Free Palestine, and um, support women. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Bambina. Thanks, Bambina. We'll see you and talk to you next time. You got it. This episode recorded at the Bigfoot headquarters. This has been a Swagamore production. Production.